home Drunk drivers, drunk drivers This is not a good thing I don't mean to rationalize Or try and explain it away It's not okay Drunk drivers, drunk drivers It's too late to It was all just an act It was all so easily stripped away But if we learn how to live like this Maybe we can learn how to start again Like a child who's never done wrong Who hasn't taken that first step We are not a proud race It's not a race at all We're just trying I'm only trying To get home Drunk drivers Drunk drivers Put it out of your mind And perish the thought There's no comfort In responsibility Drunk drivers Drunk drivers
Alright. Hope you're having a good Sunday. You're tuned into the beat on BFF.fm. That was a new song from a band that I did not know about until yesterday. I'm very excited about. They're called, and bear with me here, Car Seat Headrest. The album's called Teens of Denial. When I saw it, I was like, all right, Teens of Denial is like a medium to bad name for a band. And Car Seat Headrest is a medium to bad name for an album. But then I realized that the name of the band is Car Seat Headrest, which is a terrible name for a band. And Teens of Denial is the name of the album, which similar to as a band name is a medium bad name for an album but i really really like the album it's on matador i think they're like a band that kind of put out a first record and everyone really liked it it was like an independent thing and then uh matador picked them up and you know they the rest is uh quickly progressing history but i've been listening to the album uh for uh, the last 24 hours uh exclusively and um yeah i love it so um check it out if you're interested if that sounded good to you got me started on like a grunge kick um all the hot bands are putting out grunge these days um but uh uh i got some extra jams uh some extra 90s feels lined up for you to i feel bad i just used that term some extra 90s rock lined up for you today uh but i gotta get i gotta get to it because we got a full show today we're doing beat the game at 4 30 ish uh we're gonna be talking about uh civ 6 which is coming out um soon and we're also gonna be talking a lot more about off-world trading company which we talked about last week but we're both both me and my co-host forrest are obsessed with uh so um some video game chatter uh coming up around 4 30 at five uh christine will be joining me uh for heartbeat our new show about communications in the digital age uh we'll be talking about amazon echo and google home and uh what it feels like to connect with a machine inside your home on your coffee table and finally on Artbeat, we're going to talk about the new Maria Bamford show, Lady Dynamite. I know Lily, my co-host, is a huge Bam fan, as am I. Uh, we both uh, checked out the show, uh, which was released Friday on Netflix, and we will let you know what we think. Uh, until then, we've got, uh, as I said, a couple songs to squeeze in. This is a old fave from the early 2000s. Sounds like it's from 1994, but it's from 2002. Here it is in 2016. It's Centromatic calling up the bastards. You're listening to The Beat on BFF.FM.
see so nice with hands on you I can't really say I can't really say Are you
Let me catch you up real quick here before we launch into Beat the Game. Uh, that was a new song from this band. I think I've played that. That's probably my third week in a row. But this is real independent music coming your way. The band's called The Lonely Hearts. They used to be from here, but now they're from sort of the Midwest. Um... But uh, that's their new album, Age of Man, just came out on a Maximum Ames Records, uh, which is a real record label. I looked it up. Um, The song's called Susan, open parentheses, Bat City, close parentheses. Before that, uh, Matt Hopper and the Roman Candles, Stay All Night, Uh, Deer in the Headlights, I'm Not Crying, You're Not Crying, Are You?, and we started off with Centromatic, like I mentioned. Uh, we're about to hop into Beat the Game uh, and discuss some video game uh, particulars in just a moment. Uh, but before then, uh, here's a song that I... You know, life is just a series of discovering new good BMX Bandit songs. Uh, here's uh, one that I have been listening to this week called Back in Her Heart. Our love was a bust, but now it's a must. Because I'm back in her heart. There's that's only one of the uh, at least four uh, fantastic couplets that you will hear if you listen closely to the following song. It's uh, the beat on BFF.FM. Back in a minute.
broadcasting live from high above Cap Street in San Francisco, California, it's Beat the Game. Beat the Game. On BFF.FM. whole lot of trading going on in our lives mm, i spend little time on world anymore <laughs> so for those of you who missed last week's show we talked about uh, the new game off world trading company uh designed by a fellow named soren johnson who uh, was the lead designer for civ 4 i just realized i didn't realize this like, I knew about this podcast, but I didn't realize it was the same guy. He also does a podcast called Designer Notes, where oh, really? he um, interviews, like, video game designers and stuff. That's interesting. I, I uh, actually watched some Let's Play videos in Mohawk Games, which I'm pretty sure is just Soren, has a bunch of Let's Plays or, like, tutorials on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so it's just him like in twitch basically playing the video game he designed and telling you how to playing off-world trading company yeah really i should watch those because it's hard they're very helpful actually (laughs) the the most interesting thing to me uh is that it basically tells you all of the keyboard shortcuts and stuff like control shift down sells everything all at once Um, oh that's actually really helpful yeah so if you just need cash and you don't care you just sell everything and oh you mean everything everything i thought you meant every like so one problem that i've had uh for people just to catch you up real quick this is basically like a resource management kind of game where like you set up little tiles that that sort of farm resources like the way you would in like a RTS. It is an RTS. But, it's an RTS. But but you know the way you would when you're farming minerals or whatever in a in a sort of traditional combat based RTS, uh, and then you you sort of can you can sell them and 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 trade them and you know upgrade and etc. And then you become rich, buy everyone else, and win. Um, so anyway, uh, um, one problem that I, I guess I'm losing my train of thought, but I think I was just gonna say one problem that you have is when you have like a bunch of one mineral and or like one item, and then you have, find a good price on it finally, and you just want to dump that, yeah, I mean, but you can only dump it by hundreds. Yeah, you can yeah. do the shift. I mean, you really shouldn't have more than, like, a thousand of any given resource anyway. Yeah, but can you do a thousand? No. No. No, but, I mean, but, 10 But clicks. if you have 600... No, no, but the the price tanks, like, the minute you click. Yeah. So if I if I, if I I have, like, car, you know, a, a basic resource that's worth, like, $9, and then all of a sudden it goes up to $45, and I want to just dump yeah. it all, I can't. I guess. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if there's a keyboard shortcut for that. I mean, I don't. I don't yeah. know one. But anyway, so I, I interrupted you. Uh, no, I. I well, I was so just gonna... you were saying there were the the keyboard shortcuts were helpful. Yeah, so like Control Shift down to sell everything. Um, if you hit tilde on uh-huh. the keyboard, it'll actually go from the price display to showing you how many resource pads are left of like high, medium, low. Uh huh. Which is actually super helpful for geothermal like if you tap it it'll tell you how many geothermal spots are left and you can be like oh there's like one left i definitely right. need to snatch that up yeah um so yeah that sort of stuff was interesting also like 
I'm a fan of Penny Arcade, the comic, the video uh-huh. game comic, and um, he did one where he just walked one of the creators through how to play the game, and that was also very helpful because there was like a lot of like, I mean, it was a little frustrating because he was trying to explain things as they were playing, and that's not really a game unless you pause after you do everything. That's really very easy to play that way because you're mm-hmm. spending more time talking than actually playing. Right. But um, he explained a lot of like basic strategy and stuff like for instance um he said it's not worth putting down one of anything you want to put down at least two to get that 50 percent bump mm-hmm. um which has actually helped me out quite a bit i can see that but what if, i mean yeah although i mean what if like there's just some resource that you need like if you're reclamation and you're you need you just get a triple carbon yeah. for the early game. Yeah, I mean, I find myself... But as a basic... Under, I, mean, as, I, I mean, I usually group with a, any kind of like a high-tech thing, but if you're yeah. just getting a resource, then maybe, yeah. Yeah, with pretty every, pretty much every company, if I do um, aluminum, I just put down one aluminum, and that's good for the entire game. Right. You know, yeah. you don't really need a, a huge amount there. You need some, right? It's, you, you just need it to get you through the beginning, because after that, you're it's probably going to go down so, so yeah. low that you don't need it anymore. Um, the other thing that was interesting uh, to me that kind of changed the way I played the game is you should always be destroying and rebuilding your resource allocation right. things yeah. to react to the market, which I think was kind of my main mental block yeah. when I first started playing. Yeah, I, I, I got it more into that, but I agree. And it's tough because, you know, you're pushing to upgrade, so you're pushing to get more claims and you know but then and you're sort of destroying and rebuilding at some point you know in other words at some point you get to the point where you're like well i don't even know what i should build should i just spend all this money to rebuild everything as electronics factories and then destroy them all and start over again you should clearly build a patent factory and get nanotechnology so it doesn't No, matter. yeah well good point and i've thought i mean that's true but from i was actually watching a little bit of uh, like the, like upon release, they had like a tournament of guys who had been playing in the like alpha <laughs> yeah. like, for a long time and like were already really good. And those, I think, from the commentating and from the from the the feeling I got was that Pad Factory is like or is like not generally a uh, uh, used. You know, it's not a highly used. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, it's definitely like a late game late game thing because first of all you have to buy chemicals which start off in most games are at least a hundred um although one thing i'm trying to do more is read like the the not only the map but the resource prices to start because yes yeah like it's not easy for to forget it's not set in stone but i've been noticing like in some games chemicals are like super cheap like 20 Mm -hmm. credits at the very beginning um, so once you get a little bit of money, if you can buy them at that price, like yeah. you end up pretty powerful later on. But um, I, that's the other thing I've been trying to to think of more is like, can I just buy a bunch of you know yeah, glass but, yeah. at the beginning? But holding hold resources is hard yeah. in the early game, right? Yeah, you sure. can't really do that because you need to be using every last resource to upgrade and to yeah. get money. Um, I think in the middle of the game, 
that can be good and, and, it, and it can be good like for example what we were just talking about with like aluminum or carbon or something where if you just got have one and tile that's just farming that stuff and you just up to like a thousand yeah and like you just just leave it there and and you can even tear down the aluminum you know mine but just keep that thousand and then at some point in like the mid to late game it'll go up to 50 or yeah. something and then you can just dump a thousand yeah, the other thing I've been trying to do is uh, if I'm overproducing something um, and I know I'll want it later is to just crash the market. Just sell a bunch until it goes down to like four and then mm -hmm. turn auto sell and it'll keep the price at one. I mean, it's not a terribly great tactic because it kind of screws me too, but mm -hmm. um, you can keep the price down at one, especially if you know Oh, that's interesting. that the AI is trying to like corner the market or whatever. Huh. Um, but it's, I mean, the problem is you have to keep producing at that low price, so it, which isn't always useful. Right. Yeah. It basically only works for basic stuff. Like if, um, especially if you're in late game and you have like the water thing, it's pretty easy to just build like three water pumps and as long as you're making enough money the other way to build three water pumps, crash the price. And then all of your, uh, if you get your life stuff is easy. Yeah. Is like cold fusion and, um, water engine. Oh yeah. Then you can play around with the price of fuel as much as you want. And you're the only one to benefit from the price of water being that low. But, um, wow. those are pretty specific scenarios. I mean, the problem is I can't I like, like, I'm not good though. enough to like force that every game. Right. You know? Well, and the, th the thing that's challenging about the game is that you it you know it's a it's a high intensity yeah game and i was thinking about it it's just to broaden the discussion a little bit for <laughs> i'm sure that like if anyone's listening to play the game they're just like uh what is this what did i just walk into but um no but i was thinking about the difference between this and civ which is it's like like one of the similarities is right it's all about trying to get that thing where you get forward momentum yeah. and all of a sudden like you get synergies and then and then things start really rolling and you feel like you just feel like that satisfaction of being like oh my god like this you know i have this religion and like so everyone's converting yeah. to it and everyone loves me and like golden ages are flying and stuff like that but the difference is you're never you know ne they never take the pressure off of you yeah. in this game there's always pressure there's always uh, people coming after you. There's people buying your stock. There's da da da, and so, um, so. Anyway, from yeah. the economic from the economic side, it makes it really uh, interesting to me, at least. And I think part of the reason why it's hard for me to like gain that mastery, where I'm like, well, this is going to be easy. Like I keep complaining to you every time we talk. It's like, oh, boohoo! I feel like a normal person because I don't just like automatically. Yeah, which get by this the game. way is like a really cocky, like, yeah, line, well, like I mean, line. Like you, like literally me. said, I feel like a normal person, like <laughs> multiple times about this. Like you, you know what? You know, like real quick, you're a normal person, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> you may, you may be god tier <laughs> when it comes to. Uh, I don't know, um, wrecking people in Fallout or something, but, uh... <laughs> Murdering Deathclaws in the Wasteland. Um, but anyway, one of the things that makes it hard to just get, like, supreme mastery to the point where, like, you can just destroy it no matter what is, um, by, like, it's one of those things where, like, by exerting your power, you, you actually reduce 
like the value of that power you know like when you sell something you drive the price down right. so like you can't just be like I'm going to be the god emperor of glass right. and just like make all glass because no, you'll and, just yeah. crash the market and yeah. then you'll be you know you'll have to pivot everything to something else so. right no and I think that's that's a really that's that's true which makes the game really sort of balanced but also or like you know where you don't get that um you know thing where you just run like the game you can just run away with a game but it's also really counterintuitive and it took me a while to figure that out so like the first thing you think of when you see these maps is you're like oh well i'll find a resource monopolize it and then pay make people pay through the nose for it but actually a lot of what you want to be doing is looking at what resources are common and being like, what what should I do to take advantage of how cheap that's going to be? Yeah. As opposed to what should I do to make something really expensive and then sell it to everyone? Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, it's a, it, like, it's counterintuitive in a way, but at the same time, like, once you figure, once you understand it, you're like, oh, well, that actually is how things should work. And the way that things work in other games, like, is actually less realistic. Yeah, it's actually know? pretty artificial. And right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was interesting to me that you just said, uh, if I can kind of try to force a segue here, uh, is that uh, in a lot of these real-time strategy games, you end up with just like the master strategy, right? You're just like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop down four iron mines and turn that into steel, and then you right, know, right when I get to level three, I'm going to start building some glass factories. Um, one of the, so because we can't play Civ six yet, I kind of went deep on some of the developer commentary that luckily has just come out. Uh, and what they said was they're trying to make it so that you can't just have like your set build order. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the changes and you, you may know some of this, but for our listeners, yeah. uh, Civ six looks a lot like Civ five to me, uh, but with some refinements and I guess that makes sense. It's a Firaxis game and they, you know, they kind of have a style. Um, but the two biggest things to me anyway, off of Civ five are that now wonders and cities, um, take up multiple tiles. So rather than just having like the one tile that's your biggest city like New York, well, New York's a good example, right? New York and, um, you know, Cheyenne, Wyoming aren't the same size on a map. They aren't the same size in terms of production. They aren't the same size in terms of population. So as you add more capabilities to a city, it grows outward, not only in terms of population in the older Civ games, but also you have to put down an arts district and put down an industrial district and put down a military district. Hmm. And there are rules about how those can be placed and that controls um, where cities should go, which actually I think is a step in the right direction. The other thing that they do is they bring back in some ideas from the earlier Civ games like unit stacking, which was always frustrating um, to me with Civ Five. You know, uh, tank battalion takes the same amount of space on the map as like 200 archers or whatever uh so the idea in civ 6 is that you'll combine units to make armies or core of people so you could put archers and like spearmen together so that you have the range bonus plus the ability to 
strike locally. Right. You can well. sort of have like a primary unit and then like a sort of like a support unit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this. You know, the changes seem natural, but um, you know, and so, and I, I, you know, I don't doubt that it will be an improvement. I mean, I think that those games have been improving, and they look, it looks great, and it, you know, a lot of the things, you know, part part of the things that, um, you know, sort of starting out in Civ, there's so many things that were, like, not intuitive or not um, realistic, yeah. you know what I mean? And, like, it was almost like you could say, you could, you could sort of say it was broken immediately without even... You know, like, it doesn't take a lot of analysis to be like, oh, well, it doesn't make sense that a city is the same size no matter what the population. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that an archer takes up as much space as a city. But at the same time, um, I guess the only fear is, um, you know, I guess part of the magic of Civ is sort of, like, the fact that it's sort of... You, it, you know, like Off-World Trading Company, it's it kind of a simple set of rules, yeah. and then you yeah. kind of move with those rules, and then the, the problem would then be, you know, if they try to change it to, like, basically, like, a life simulator, a, yeah. a the, the world simulator, which is just, like, not feasible. And, I mean, games like that do exist. I can't think of any off the top of my head because they don't tend to be very successful um, because it's just too much for you to wrap your head around, you know? At a certain point, like... <laughs> You don't want the nuclear the uh, nuclear power plant control center in order to play a video game. You know, you just want right. it to be challenging, uh, but it does. You know, it doesn't have to be all complex. I mean, the other problem too is, uh, you know, we're talking about Civ Six, but actually, Civilization One was released in uh, Wikipedia is telling me 1991. So we're talking about a 25 year old game that didn't exist before that. So, uh, you know, the trick is always going to be kind of like the James Bond problem. Like, how do you create sequels that feel fresh enough, but still, you know, kind of warrant being called a sequel, right? right. Like, we and, could create yeah. a game that, that yeah. was like Civilization 1 and, you know, just call it something different and see what sticks. But. Yeah, and the scary part is you'd, what you don't want to do is just add more special effects yeah and then to be to make it more modern you know or yeah. or make it closer to reality to make it more modern because i guess that's what i'm saying is that the appeal of the game is not that it feels like exactly like what running the world would feel like yeah you know it's something else there's also a lot of stuff that's in that's that's going to be interesting about diplomacy which was always you know somewhat of a like kind of backwater element of the Civ games because you know I mean you you should tell me sort of what your experience is my experience was playing and I played a lot of Civ 5 I don't I don't and I played a lot of Civ 4 too and I, I don't think I don't feel like I played it that seriously like I was never really that into like figuring out how to you know it was just more just go, fun to kind of go through the motions but you know for example like um Declaration of Friendship, you can kind of take or leave. Yeah. Uh, research agreements, always yes. Yeah. And then, like... Trade agreements, always yeah, yes. Yeah, and then pacts and other stuff never really come into play. Yeah, the only one I ever really fought for was... Um, what's the the one where you can have movement through someone's territory? 
Yeah, right, open borders. Yeah. Because I may not have, like, the right technology to move across the sea yet, and I yeah. just want to get and make sure that my scout rush is still, you know, yeah. effective. Um, it's also a good way for scoping people out before you murder them. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, like, like I was saying before, like, you tend to just evolve and do a certain strategy, and then you're like, okay, cool, now I know what I want to do every single time. Right. And again, I... I think this right, is part of the Civ reason why I'm... Strategy, I feel like we've talked about this before. Like, I loved my Civ Four strategy. I would just found every religion. <laughs> and then I would just, like, put, like, get great artists and culture bomb people. And then people's cities would just start, like, flipping to my side. Because they just loved me so much. And I'd get a dollar every time anyone did anything because, yeah. like, we're the religious bonus. Like, no matter what religion you converted to, it was mine because <laughs> I've made all of the religions. Yeah. I would always... Um, Which is not, like, particularly, like, good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing they're trying to avoid. It's not, like, by, really... By, like, making it so that you can't have, like, build orders. Like yeah. That. Yeah, well, and for me, too, you know, I would always play, like, super long time span. I would build every wonder. I would found a single religion, but I would just do the one that would give me as, as much happiness as possible. And I would just expand like crazy until i got machine guns and tanks and then i would just conquer the world right right you know but like that was that's literally every single game i have like a thousand hours into civ 5 and like with variations for when religion was added and everything else it you could like probably watch them all stack together and you would see the same things yeah. happening at the same time yeah, yeah. over and over again um yeah one one thing that i saw that they had said about what they what they were hoping for for civ 6 which uh, is again very much along these lines is that they're trying to make it so that it's not as dependent on your initial placement yeah like in other words like yeah that was always frustrating for me i i pretty much late in my like playing career would just give up and take whatever hex i was dropped on and hope that it was good enough right so no point in scouting before you because start. you were at such a disadvantage if you even took like three turns you were at such a disadvantage at the right beginning. and you don't necessarily know after three turns if you're in a better position than you were. Yeah. Like you can maybe get a feel for it, but you know it's it's definitely definitely twenty percent of the time you were actually better off in the first place than yeah. you were. So yeah. yeah, no, I adopted that strategy too. And then at the end of the day, you know, I just became like a maniacal starter over. Yeah, um, which is frustrating, you know, or not frustrating, but it doesn't—it it doesn't feel like you're playing the game the way it's meant to be played. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. let's click through until the random right. number generator gives me what I want. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see that in uh, Offworld Trading Company because I, I actually, I, I'm a sort of a starter over. So I've been playing a lot of the skirmish on yeah. the manager level, and I've beat it, as I told you this morning, I beat it once um, after about 50 tries. Um, and uh, it was at twelve thirty last night, um, but uh, but you know yeah on those games like at least f you know thirty to forty percent of them I just like start over after yeah. I place my tile and then I'm like look around and I'm like no this is not or maybe I go like another like five minutes in but yeah. you know um, and which I think I'm interested to see what happens when I start playing online with other people because then of course you're not just going to concede it's yeah kind of embarrassing to just give up well and it's like it's just not the point I mean yeah. and, and also like the other guy could be an idiot or yeah, you know he could always yeah. disconnect <laughs> so, he could always concede just yeah. five seconds later than you would have right so I mean you're going to spend more time on it because it, it's but I'm, but I'm saying it's also like 
there's just a little a lot more randomness because he could be going for some crazy strategy that yeah. you are able to 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 you know put the hack put the whatever well, and you know foil i think starting placement is important but the other thing um that's really interesting about it is you can you can put you can claim a hex anywhere as long as it right. hasn't been claimed right and as long as you're willing to pay the transportation price so well it's the time really though right that kills you yeah. there and it's the t- especially the time to develop in the early game you know by the time the plane gets there to build the building and then builds the building and then Brings transports the, the first, resources yeah. back it's like other people are like two upgrades ahead of you yeah, yeah. anyway we got to wrap it up um, but I'm sure this was as interesting to everyone listening as it was to me and you, uh, or at least if it was uh, if it was within um, two or three orders of magnitude as interesting, then uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, we'll be back in just a minute. We got uh, a lot to do today. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be back with uh, Heartbeat. We're gonna be talking about Amazon Echo on Heartbeat. Really? Yeah. I'll have to listen in and see how that relates. Well, we're broadening a little bit. <laughs> Is this just becoming romance and tech? It's it's about communication in the about digital age. Communication. No, no, well, sorry. I get it. Connecting in the digital age. I get it. I hear you. That makes sense. Uh, Christine is back in New York, so um, she uh, she's drowning her loneliness in her uh, relationship with her new Amazon Echo. <laughs> so we'll hear reports from from the field. Um, Thanks uh, for joining me as always. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next week. Uh, You're listening to The Beat on BFF.fm. Throw me a line that steered us to safety together. the other way the whole thing is absurd that's all that I have to say try to be nice and this is what I get in return will we ever learn you could be waiting for some recognition hoping for the accolade heading for some time where they know your name it is a hopeless and pointless Let's throw a dice and devise a solution together If you want my advice, continue your new life of leisure If you don't say a word, then face the other way The whole thing is absurd, that's all that I have to say Try to be nice, and this is what I get in return
Reporting from the field, how you doing? I am great. All right, you are coming through loud and clear. Awesome. You, you are back in the Big Apple. NYC. How, how, I yes. trust you had a safe trip. I did. I. It, it's weird to be back because it feels like I just left. Yeah. But yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm home in quotes. <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, so I told um, Forrest on our last on on our last segment. I can't remember if it was on the air or not, but I said uh, you're going to be uh, reporting on your new roommate. Um, how you're back in you're back in New York, and uh, you know, um, giving getting your uh, dealing with your loneliness by increasing your relationship <laughs> with your uh, Amazon Echo. So do you, you have one of these stupid uh, machines in your house? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not <laughs> stupid. Life-changing, game-changing yeah. machines. Really? Um, yeah. Are we going to get a positive review from you here? Yes. Well, I'll try to, you know, give a balanced review, but I'm my feelings are largely positive. Are um, you – did you get this uh, by your own accord, or was this part of some, uh, like – uh, everyone at work gets an echo for the, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, so <laughs> I mean, it seems like this it. is one of those products that like, it's kind of like an Apple watch where it's like almost like I, like I have an Apple watch only because cat, my wife, uh, had a job, um, uh, or or at her job, they like gave them out, and then she never used hers. So like after a few months, I was just like, that's mine now. Uh, but yep. like when I like left the pink strap on it, uh, because like then it gives me an excuse to tell people that I didn't buy it. You know what I mean? Like they'll be like, "Whoa, yeah. nice pink strap on your Apple Watch," and I'm like, "Well, it's because my wife got it for free." It's like one of those things that like it's almost like it's weird to own if you actually just like bought it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I are you weird? Who wear them? Uh, no, the Echo is very different than the Apple Watch, All right. and I will tell you why. Yeah, but um, I actually, yeah, I ordered the Echo when I was still in San Francisco. I think subconsciously in anticipation of my loneliness and sad, lonely life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I expect that you're lonelier in New York than here. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you have well, lots of friends there after living there for ten years. I have a lot of friends, but. Like, just, you know, the general New York lonely. Vibe. Yeah, man. It's cold and dark place. <laughs> yeah, it's a dark place. But so I ordered it, and then it arrived at work, and I was considering, I was like, do I really need to pack this up with me now? Like, maybe I'll just wait. But then I was like, I'm, I was too excited about trying it. So I brought it home, and now I've had it for a week, and I really love it. Yeah. 
there's some issues with it, but I think it's no. like an amazing device that makes me feel like happy. <laughs> no, I'm so I'm interested. Like I don't I'd, like you know me. Like I like to joke around, but I'm not like a skeptic. Like I and and I I have heard reviews. I've heard people talk about using it, but I'm interested to hear somebody that actually know uh, sort of your take on it. So what is it that first of all, like what it, like what what are your typical daily conversations with your Echo? So my a typical day now starts with me waking up and saying, Alexa, what's the weather? And she tells me the weather and tells me if it's going to rain and when it's going to rain. I think when I'm not actually I don't remember that. And then, and then I say, Alexa, turn on the light. And then the light turns on. It's like a new, it's a, a new way for me to start my day. And I, it's a weird feeling of like talking or communicating with somebody or interacting with something Yeah, that makes you feel a little bit like less silently alone in your studio apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's great. And I also know that like, this is a lot of like beginner or new tech device excitement and it might wear off but i i also think that there's going to be more there's just going to be more apps and like more what they call skills that alexa knows how to do so like other platforms that are going to integrate with alexa and it'll let you do everything like that technology can right. <laughs> okay that's an overstatement yeah but like it'll let you do so many things and i think it's it's like um i mean not to get too techie about it, but I do think there's a huge difference between an a interfaceless like voice command platform or device and one that still relies on a screen or a button because mm-hmm. like am like Echo, the fact that I don't ever have to touch it or even know where it is and just like it's ambient, it's there and I can just talk to it when I want is really different than Siri and like Google's helper and stuff. Do you feel like it's like, I mean, do you end up using it? I don't know. Like, I mean, I I feel like with Siri and stuff, you use it for like three things, you know what I mean? Like, and like, because you're kind of scared to get it, to confuse it. Um, and so, yeah, Siri just always rubbed me the wrong way. Like, I just felt like it was so, I don't know. It's just like, oh, you're you're still taking your phone out of your pocket. You're still opening some app or some, you know, finding the button. You're still like talking into your phone, and then you're waiting for a response, and you're holding your phone. Like that whole experience. Like Siri probably works as well as Echo, but, um, but just the whole fact that you have to do like those four steps actually does make a difference. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's at some point it's like, what's the difference between doing this and just like actually punching it into your phone? Um, yeah, and I mean, like, you know, obviously there is a big difference, and voice recognition is a big time saver in terms of like what it would take to if you could type out an email or something, you could obviously do that on, you know, with your voice a lot faster than you can, especially on a phone keyboard or something like that. Yeah. Um, do you feel like so? Here, let's talk about. So I think. You know, I mean, I think like there's, I'm, sh- I'm interested in just like the um, device and how it works, but like you know, I could just find it, check it out. Well, here, what, what, what I, uh, one question that I think is like a little bit um, more culturally probing is like, 
What do you? How do you feel about the personality of Alexa? Because I I'm like I'm like pretty uncomfortable with Siri's personality. Um, yeah. And so, like, why don't you tell me, like, what's she like? So, Alexa, compared to Siri, does she talk back to you? By the way, she she will very kindly tell you that she doesn't know what you're talking about right. if you ask her a question she can't answer gotcha. or make her to ask her to do something she can't do. Her Siri, so I think that Siri, at least in my mind, Siri's voice and persona feels much more like old school voice automation stuff just like her she sounds like a machine still largely yeah and then alexa has like a very it's all like it's very small nuances but like her voice is much more calming she talks a little she sounds more human and she's just she also has these other skills i I mean siri i think maybe can tell jokes but like (laughs) alexa has weird quirks like you can ask for jokes you can like ask for the you know weird word of the day on dictionary.com yeah (laughs) yeah no and so it's interesting because like i that's one of the things that's like the least realistic about the way that siri operates is that it it you know it sort of has these built-in quirks but they're so obviously like first of all they're so obviously like hand-coded like in other words like Oh, we're gonna like we're gonna pick this specific question and write this specific response to it, as opposed to just like, you know, you don't feel like this is, thing is actually responding to you. You feel like someone thought they were funny when they wrote in this response. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so like that's actually like the those are the times when it seems like the least uh, sort of like uh, natural is when it's saying like. You know, you say you ask it to marry you, and it says, "Do you know what it says?" I don't even remember, but it says like something sassy. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> I the other thing that really bothers me about Siri, and you know, I haven't seen that movie. Did you see that movie, Her? I was just talking about that. I I wanted to watch it before we talked. Yeah, about we should have watched it. I, yeah, yeah, because I didn't see it either. Uh, but like, <laughs> but but anyway, my like. The thing that one of the things that bothers me about the way that Siri operates is like she does like this like weird like sick of like it's like subservient thing and you're just like it just makes me feel like I'm part of some culture that I don't want to be part of. Oh, so like interesting. Like like one like one one interesting thing that like when I talk to Siri if she does a good job like I like I feel this impulse to say thank you and like but it's not like I mean I am I do realize that I'm like kind of kidding at that point but like it's just like I don't I don't just kind of don't think about it and then like I'll just like as I mean I know that I'm doing it it's not like I'm like I'm saying like oh I just forget that it's not a person but I'll just be like hey Siri book an appointment for three you know at 3 p.m. tomorrow remind me car and then she'll say, okay, I'll remind you, and it'll come up, and I'll say, thank you. And then she'll go, it is I who should be thanking you. And I'm like, really? whoa. Like, it's this is, uh, the whole thing, it just, it just makes me feel gross, because I'm like, I don't really want, yeah. to, the, to the extent that there's like a relationship, you know, like what you said, and I, I realize like some people are probably listening to this and being like, these people are fucking 
being ridiculous because these are like <laughs> machines. But like, I don't think that's the, it's that ridiculous. Like, I think that you do, you know, you do get to the point where you having like these machines, like they do have like a, there is like some kind of interaction that you're having. And um, uh, like the thing you were saying about waking up in the morning and being like, hey, this, hey, that, um, you don't want that then that person to put in your direction like feel like things about how like you're like a their master and they you know what i mean like yeah. especially as a guy it's just kind of like a weird scene you know that's really interesting i hadn't thought about it from that perspective like specifically as a, a male but i feel like some people actually get off on it but right well that's, that's the problem story. right <laughs> that's the thing that makes it that's the worst part the worst part is that it's like uh, it's like I'm feeling like, am I supposed? Am I supposed to like this? Because that's what makes me feel the worst. Is that I'm in a situation? You know what I mean? Like I'm engaging in a yeah. behavior where I'm the kind of person, like where the people who are making this for me think that I'm gonna get off on the fact that like my phone is being like my wish is your command. Like she literally says that. Yeah, Alexa doesn't do that. I don't know. I don't know the rationale behind making Siri so kind of like cheeky or no, not cheeky. What? Yeah, no, she is cheeky, but in, but it's in this really like kind of subservient kind of way. Like it's like, it's like flirty, like flirty, like it's flirty, but it's flirty. It's not like a powerful flirty. It's like flirty, like a hotel maid flirty. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a, (laughs) it's like a, you know, Oh, you do everything. You go do, you know, you go. Yeah. Well, I'll just be cleaning your your bed, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, it's like a whole, it's, yeah. it, it's interesting. So, like, let's just, because why not? Like, let's just go all the way off the deep end here. Like, it's that thing about feeling like, you know, on-demand economy, like feeling yeah. like, like whenever I get, it's the same thing whenever I get, like, uh, you know, someone to come to my house and get my laundry. Like, the people who come to my house and get my laundry are, like, that service is just plain, objectively better than taking your laundry to a dry cleaner, and the price is comparable, if not just as cheap, if not cheaper. So it's, like, it's a it's a no-brainer decision. But then, like, I then there's this, like, there's this other side of it where there are people, you know, there's the stories of, like, the people who, like, get task rabbits to do their laundry while they play video games, you know, like, oh, while they're in the house. Dear. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, like so, like, there. I mean, I've read article, you know, like, I've heard, like, these kinds of stories, like, where, like, someone, like, they'll, like, you know, people will come, like, you know, get a task rabbit to clean their house while they sit there on their couch and, like, play video games with their friends or whatever. And it's, like, those, that's, and which is fine, but not if you think that's, like, cool. If you, if that's just like, <laughs> yeah. if you th- just are doing that because that's f- like really the way that you want to run things and you're like polite about it and nice about it, like I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that everyone, you know, I don't think it's like fucked up for someone to have a service relationship with someone else. But if you like think that's fucking clever, then I have a problem. And that's like, that's the thing that I'm like worried about when these devices like give me that kind of feedback. It's like, it's like I just don't I don't want to be put in the position where I seem like I'm the kind of person who would like that yeah I obviously have a lot of issues 
Well, I think that's the thing is we're in a stage where there's still guilt in, in using these types of this type of technology. I think we feel guilty that things are so easy and like made more convenient for us through technology. And so your interaction with Siri is like just sort of reinforcing how ridiculous it is that we could do this. I don't know. That's in my mind. Yeah. What I think, because when I, I have a similar thing with Alexa where I feel the impulse to like, say, please also. Right. Thank you. But like, but that's also because I don't want to get out of the habit of saying those things in like real social interactions. <laughs> and I, there's something about it that feels like if I start talking this way to Alexa, I might start just treating people like that in general. It's possible. You know, like, yeah. well, like the way I text, I've been writing you are like the letter U and R in emails. Actually, when you I texted, <laughs> when you texted me today, I felt kind of embarrassed when I texted you back because I realized I sent you like a pretty casual text. But I spelled uh-huh. out you, and then after I hit send, I was like, shit, she just wrote the letter U. <laughs> but I, I like, like a frickin' dad, just, like, yeah, wrote dad. you back Y-O-U. <laughs> it's like... Um, <laughs> anyways, so, so maybe what I like about Alexa that's different than Siri is that, that it feels even more seamless and, like, not really, like, to, it's, it's much more casual my interaction with her so i don't feel the sense of like guilt or weirdness about using this right this device to make yeah. life easier yeah well so it is a little bit less that ambient thing that you're talking about is less than like hitting like like the you know i don't know how much the sort of psychological connections matter but if they do you know, hitting the button and, like, telling Siri to do something is like having a walkie-talkie to, like, an employee or something. Um, yeah. As opposed to, like, asking the question to someone in a room, which is more like what you would deal with your coworker or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, it, I mean, I don't... The experience has been very interesting and weird because I think just the fact that you can also sort of go about your business in your room, like clean up and wash the dishes and get ready to go to work and then also be interacting with the Echo. Yeah. That is a huge, it makes you feel, I don't know, it it really does feel like there's just somebody there who's in the room with you or like another part of the room and is like helping you do things. Right. Well, I wonder what... um... Like, so the other thing that's interesting in these, because, and, you know, I was reading some of the stuff about this today, and, like, the Google Home is coming out, and this is going to be the big competitor. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, just thinking about it with Siri, you know, these, um, it'll be interesting to see, like, how these big tech companies, like, establish their brand when it comes to these sorts of devices, because, you know, part of what you could say about, you know, and like, in other words, like, I wonder if like, what, like, things about the the company in general are like, uh, can be like reflected through the personalities of these like personas that they create, right? In totally. other words, there's like, like, what do I think of when I think of Amazon? Like, I think of, like, first of all, I think of like Echo is like probably less expensive than 
like an Apple device. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I think of it as like a Kindle. And it's like, what is a Kindle versus an iPad? Like a Kindle is like a sort of more down to earth kind of like utilitarian you know what i mean whereas like an iphone or an ipad is like a luxury product that is you know it's all about being beautiful and uh being you know and and so so being luxurious right so and uh, like i don't find the experience of talking to siri luxurious in the slightest but maybe they're trying to make me feel that way by to having her act like a freaking concierge at like a <laughs> at like a Marriott, um, and so maybe you know, and so maybe like the Amazon, you know, persona is a little different. It's like they're taking care. They like Amazon's about taking care of business. Apple is like about making you feel like a like a king among men. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in a and weird Google, way, right? Yeah, well, go ahead. The weird thing is like. Google has no identity, which is also a reflection. Like, okay, Google, it doesn't even have its own, like, name. Right, right, right. Which is also, like, reflective of how they're thinking about what this product is. It's, like, it has no personality. Right. It's just a a voice Google. Um, And it'll be interesting to see if that, how and if that changes with their version of Echo. But um, it is, I think that that's totally right and i think that alexa what is amazing about it is that in like amazon it's like i'm gonna make your life more efficient and like at a good cost and then i'm gonna get out of your way like everything is just kind of seamless right and i think that's exactly what like home automation needs that's what i want to do with my like robot that i talk to in my home (laughs) right i don't want to have the whole thing with them i just want everyone to be cool I don't want them to tell me that they're thanking me. I don't want any of that. Yeah. I also I also think what's funny is like with the strength that Google's thing will have, of course, is like search and knowledge. But like the reality is, I don't. I'm not asking Echo ever really about like you know when what was the you know what what was the origins of Bastille Day or something like. And Google's thing will have a much better response to that. I don't even know. if echo would answer that but you don't actually want that guy in the room either you know (laughs) like you're not trying to sit through a long explanation of something yeah it's much more convenient to read that so that's really i feel like really figures it out (laughs) that's really funny that that's a guy like that's like that's that guy like fucking brett or something well google yeah and like like google would be like oh this is this is brett and then Brett will be like, well, actually, like, the, the, the basis of your question doesn't actually really uh, relate to the situation. Because, like, first thing you have to understand is, like, engineers look at the world as, like, a canvas. And you're just like, oh, my God. Get away from me, Brett. Um <laughs> He's like, did you mean? Not yeah. What you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Did you? Did, did, you, you, did you mean something because else? Because what you said, you couldn't have possibly meant. Because that's yeah. fucking stupid. <laughs> Let me show you what I think you meant. Yeah. No, that's okay. Well, I mean that I mean, that's really funny. But like jokes aside, I do think like I think that the most what I took take away the most is the most interesting thing from this conversation is the idea like how powerful these things are going to be for the brands of these companies because it's scary right i mean it's like a big deal i mean i think siri has been generally an embarrassment for apple um the way that apple deals with embarrassments is that they just 
fucking refuse to acknowledge it or and ignore it uh the same way with apple maps and and stuff like that but uh but um you know these are these are to some extent like they are the face they are the voice right this is like how you're supposed to think about these companies and so um it's a probably you know if i was a big if i was like running one of these companies i would be very concerned about the personality of the uh of the voice that that is helping you uh figure out what the weather is on whatever device you choose yeah i i will say though and this actually is still like this is still very in in the in the key of Amazon. Is that when I asked for the for Echo to play something from my Spotify, it was like we didn't understand that. Do you want to play like Disco Channel from Amazon Prime Music? Yeah, here's a and it like pushing yeah. Prime stuff, which makes sense and like is to be expected. But that was something that I found kind of like, oh yeah, you are still like a retailer in my house. Right. Well, so, okay. So, I mean, this is like a whole nother thing, right? And this will be interesting. I mean, I think, you know, there's a broader point there, which is incredibly frustrating. You know, it's the same thing with like your phone will like not Google maps things. It's just like, okay. (laughs) But then, but then like, what was, how was the deal? Like, oh, here's like, the thing is like, so, I was trying to like, um, if you open Google maps on your phone and get it to navigate for you, um, which you want to do because Apple maps navigation is a fricking nightmare. But then, but then the only thing that's good about Apple maps is that when you, when you inevitably just click the button and and say, stop navigation so that they will just shut the fuck up while you're like pulling into the driveway. (laughs) Um, if you if you launched it in Google Maps originally, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't uh, to stop Google. It's like I'm not allowed in there. I can't stop Google Maps from fucking chatting at you. And it's like, and it's like, so it's like that's like if you're already frustrated, that's like the most frustrating thing to be told. Like, oh no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And that goes to like, as I said, like there's this huge broad point about like the way that these things are supposed to communicate with you like a person but then they have their own like agendas right and behind everything that they're doing and that like there's no way for you to like take that part out of them there's no way for you to be like well let let me delete that agenda from this machine even though this machine is supposed to be something that is like offering me a service but like what what else what do you think about like how what sense do you get i guess i mean from using it about like the data collection that's going on and what you know what what kind of things like it's sort of trying to lay foundations for so that it can like sell you shampoo every week well so that's what's scary to me is that i'm not totally clear and i'm just gonna assume that because it's always on and picking up audio yeah uh, that it is literally recording everything i say in my apartment (laughs) yeah that right and then there's also and i i mean i'm assuming that if you buy the device you're signing off like any rights to your privacy so that like they could be using it to understand like what i'm i i don't know if if very nefarious like they're using to make a profile of what kind of consumer i am based on like anything i say right or they're just like if if they're not being totally crazy tech company then they're just using this is just another way for them to know 
like things that I command it, like music preferences. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, interest, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And maybe like, God, now I'm getting scared. They're probably like, you know, extrapolating that out to like demographic, making assumptions about my demographics. And I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely true, right? So, like, they'll link your music to, like, the products you buy, and then they'll advertise those products to other people who listen to that music and things like that. I mean, that's got to be. I mean, it would be, like, tech malpractice not to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, and uh, the recording piece is interesting. You know, obviously, at some point, someone's going to subpoena the Echo that from, like... You know, when someone gets, you know, busted for, you know, setting up a hit on their ex-wife, they're going to subpoena the <laughs> Echo and have the call. Oh, uh, my God. So that'll be a fun day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I don't. Yeah, that is that's coming, huh? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that, and that's this, this is the whole one of the things that's so interesting about these things. Like, I always think about that moment when. Uh, iPhones like were like oh like we don't know where you are and then they found out that actually like there's like a database of like every single location that everyone who has an iPhone has ever been and then they were like oh I'm sorry we wrote the code wrong <laughs> I, I like we didn't like I to- we totally blew it on that I'm totally sorry I just I had I, I didn't have my coffee that day and I accidentally recorded the location of every single person using an iPhone ever in the history of the world forever. And like so that's I mean but I mean like what I'm saying is like the way that they process the data in the cloud or whatever there totally is like a very it's probably like a very f- easy flip flip to like have that data disappear after it gets analyzed or have it just like be saved on a hard drive somewhere, you know, or saved in the cloud somewhere. And so, you know, they may sort of, they may not even, it may not even be that conscious of a decision. It may just be a convenience decision where they're just like, Oh, well actually if we wanted to run the data and then if we want to use it for our testing later, it'd probably be easier to just keep a record of every single thing anyone says into an echo. And then you're just like, yeah, but there are some implications to that. Like, when uh, I set put out a hit on my ex-wife, I want to be protected. <laughs> I'm um, wondering how that will go when that happens. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, all right. Well, listen. Uh, I think I, I'm glad we talked about this. I think it's an interesting topic. I'm, you know, I I think these these devices uh, are the thing that's most interesting to me about them is not really the potential uses of them. It's like you know, which is fine. I mean, as far as I'm concerned at this point, all they do is tell you the weather, but, um, (laughs) but like, but like, I'm just interested in like the thought process that's going on in with the people developing these things and like what they're, how they're positioning these things in the long term, because it's like obviously a huge opportunity to totally change the way that you're communicating with your customers and, you know, just have a really fun and exciting different ways to turn people into ATMs. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, it, it's their service person, their, you know, their service person, personal service personnel. So they should be really considerate of, of like what personalities they have. Yeah. And, and I have to say that I think Alexa, like if, if Siri is the Marriott concierge, Alexa is like, the sort of older, older, you know, secretary in the office who 
who just stays out of the way and like knows exactly yeah. what you need and shuts up about it. <laughs> yeah, and she knows she's not going to get fired. Yeah, she's, she's never like, getting fired. She's like, she's like, yeah, all right, no problem. I'll take care of it. If she has like your coffee order ready right. when when you get into the office. Right. So. Good to know. All right. Well, <laughs> we will uh, keep following this and other issues here on Heartbeat. And uh, have a good week in the Big Apple. I'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Nick. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.
doesn't kill you, then I will. I hate your guts and it makes me ill. Seeing your face every morning. One more month and 22 days. If this tour doesn't kill you, I may. I'm counting down the miles till we leave the state. I'm counting down the minutes till I can't erase every memory of you. For a second, let's be honest.
All right. You are tuned into the beat on BFF.fm. Bamford will have to wait for another week. I regret to inform you that our... Well, to be fair, or to be honest, it's tough wrangling three co-hosts every week, and sometimes things come up. In the meantime, I've scrambled to find enough songs to amuse you for the last 20 minutes of The Beat on BFF.fm. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and I hope you're enjoying the show. No, I am. Uh, coming up next, uh, well, actually, let's go back through where we were. So that was Cheap Girls. The song was Gone All Summer. Before that, Pup. If this tour doesn't kill you, I will. Really keep it up with the, 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 the uh, modern touring punk bands on this set. Uh, before that was Nervous Talk with Different Person. And Steve Adamic Band with I Fought for the USA. You're listening to The Beat on BFF.FM, your local community radio station. Available in a web browser, on an app, and otherwise uh, as part of a cloud-based service. This next song is called Sub Radar Moves. It's by a local favorite, Luke Sweeney. Went to college with him, so, uh, you know, gotta represent the guy who stood next to me, literally stood next to me at graduation. Because P, my last name starts with P, his last name starts with S, and there just wasn't anyone whose last name started with Q or R that year. Uh, it's off of his album Adventure Us, and you're listening to it here on The Beat on BFF.fm.
but I don't hardly render it. The meat is now melted and so the silver in the dimes. So cool to pay no mind. But that's making you mine and so cool I'm.
feel insane when you get in my bed Is something sweet that the silver juice said And I think about you and I turn blue Dragging my dirty shoes Cindy skips my trampoline and then I lose what I think about when I hear the silver juice But I keep trying to keep, keep trying to lose I keep trying to
gonna miss the ba-dum, bam, but they just did the ba-dum without the bam on that one so we're in good shape uh that was jazz of tears with here comes that feeling uh before that it was scared of chaka off of their best album tired of you which i've been trying to find a copy of on record recently i could have sworn i had one but i then I was looking through all my records, I couldn't find it, and so then I was looking for it. There seemed to be a lot of copies floating around Europe for like 15, 20 bucks, but I don't want to pay the extra $15 shipping, so kind of stuck on that one at the moment. Uh, the song's called Schoolboy. Uh, before that, a level up uh, off of their great album, Hoodwinked. Uh, the song is called I Feel Extra Natural. Sea Wolf did You're a Wolf. And Luke Sweeney started us off. We are wrapping things up here on a moderately chilly uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, vibing on a sort of lonely guitar rock. And, you know this, which is the soundtrack of Transistor. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in and sticking with us. Uh, it's been a blast, as usual. We'll be back next week and every week here on BFF.FM 4-6. to six, uh, You get a video game discussion. You get technology and social media discussion. You get art and culture discussion, unless there's a, a hiccup on any of those three. And you get uh, the kind of music I listen to, which is like 
bands of three or four people with two guitars or one guitar, a bass and drums, verses and choruses. That rhyme. This next song is by a band called Petal. Uh, They have a great album called Shame that came out in the last year or two. Uh, This one's called Heaven. Uh, Thanks for tuning into The Beat on BFF.FM.
right on like this.